0: I'm going to jump straight into the sermon this morning. My title is called, Once a Year or Every Day. Once a Year or Every Day. Last week, I talked about the beautiful gate, a gate that led to the temple. And In Acts chapter 3, verse 2, just as a quick reminder, it said, Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple court. And I shared with you how the Holy Spirit inspired me or encouraged me to look up the Greek for the word beautiful. And I thought that was going to be an absolute waste of time. And when I did, the word heradios came up, and the definition quite contrary to the sound of beautiful, is belonging to the right hour or season timely. And so, wanting to make sure that this was correct, I looked up the HELPS word studies, and again, the word came up as horadios, meaning hour or the time of fulfillment A particular hour, a season of time. And I shared with you last week how Jesus, when he started his ministry, after facing the devil and being tempted for 30 days, came back in and um, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath and they handed him the scroll. And they were reading from the prophet Isaiah. And he unravels the scroll until he comes to what we now have as a denotation, chapter 61. And he starts to read. And he says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, this is from Isaiah, because he's anointed me to proclaim. He's making a proclamation. It's the beginning of a new time and a new season. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. And to proclaim the year of God's favor. And that phrase, year of God's favor, means a time period A a, a time period of blessing, a time period, a season of fulfillment, a season of God's favor coming down on the earth. I don't know about you, I know everyone gets excited around Christmas season, but God has ordained a season that we are living in from the time He made this proclamation till the time he comes with the sound of a trumpet and a shout and he comes riding on his horse. This is a season of favor. This is a season of fulfillment. This is a... a a prophetic moment in the history of mankind where God has decreed that the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lame will walk, and people will be set free. Can I get an agreement? Amen. We see that Paul picks up this theme. And even though he didn't walk with Jesus and came to Christ in the midst of trying to persecute the Christian church and exterminate it. He has an encounter with Christ and Paul writes himself in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and the second half of verse 2, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. What time is it, church? Church. Now, and it is the time of God's favor, he goes on and says, now is the day of salvation. And I shared last week how here was this man sitting outside the gate of the season of opportunity begging. And I drew the parallel how many of us in the church today don't understand what age we're living in we don't understand the power of this age there's been the industrial age now we have a technological age and many of us don't understand all the intricacies of the technological age but I want to tell you there is an age that surpasses every age and every phase that mankind has ever gone through and that is the age of God's favor we're living under the favor of God. This is a time where God said, the heavens are open and you and I have confidence to enter the Holy of Holies anytime we need to by the blood of Jesus Christ. Can I get an agreement? If you're excited about that, give the Lord a shout. Yeah, amen. And so here's this man not understanding the hour, the day, the time period he's living in. And John and Peter, full of the Holy Ghost, all the pieces were finally coming together in their understanding. And they looked at this man and said, silver and gold we don't have. But what we do have, we're going to pass on to you. And instantly they laid hands on this man and he rose up And started to jump and to leap and to walk and to praise God. We don't want to be Christians who don't understand the season. Now, it's not the Christmas season. Well, yes it is, but because of what Jesus has done every day is the season to rejoice in the Lord and to receive from him the blessings that he wants us to have. I want to develop in you a mentality, an assuredness, a definite understanding of your theological position. And that is that we are the blessed of the Lord. We are the redeemed of the Lord. And because of what Jesus did, the curse that's on the world doesn't have to be the curse that's on you. And I ended my message last Sunday by saying People are saying this is the new norm. No, it might be their new norm. I'm not accepting it. The norm that has been prophesied for us is that this is the year of God's favor. This is the dispensation of miracles. This is the dispensation of salvation. This is the dispensation of tapping into the supernatural and taking hold of God's blessing. Can I get an agreement? Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah, go on. Give the Lord a clap. I want to do something this morning, which we do occasionally, and uh, <clears throat> I'm going to try to encourage all of you to sit closer to the front. Uh, last Sunday we had over 200 people here, and the front rows are always empty. And as I'm watching the live stream, it looked like heck nobody showed up for church. <laughs> and and from the live stream, you would never know that in the middle of COVID we had a bumper attendance. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Try to fill up the first few rows, uh, not because we want to present a deception, but unfortunately, because people prefer to sit further back, it actually creates a misrepresentation and makes the church look empty. I wish the cameras could go all the way around. We'd actually follow you. (laughs) Amen. I'm going to do something in a moment. I have two ladies that I want to share a testimony with you. I believe with all my heart that we live under the year of God's favor. It's not a day. It's not an occasional when God's in a good mood. Every day we are blessed to say that we live under the favor of God. Now, before I do that, I want to give honor to... Someone that I love and respect dearly, Pastor Elizabeth is here with us today, and this is uh, Pastor Steve, Steve's mom. Uh, Elizabeth, would you stand so everyone can welcome you? Amen. Great to have you with us. God bless you. Amen. Uh, Angie, would you come here, please? Pastor Carlos, what handheld mic would be the best for me to grab? Thank you, Pastor Steve. I do these things and I never give them forewarning. Come on over here, Angie. And these poor guys, I I, I make them earn their keep. <laughs> Tomorrow they'll say to me, Pastor, without all the extra stuff you throw on us, all the suddenlies. You make us earn our keep as it is. (laughs) Praise God. You got a mic? Awesome. I was talking with Angie uh, earlier this week. In fact, it was Bible school. Mm -hmm. And uh, Angie is in the second year of our Bible school. And I'm constantly teaching the students about who we are in Christ and what our rights are and how we are the sons of God. And we need to think like that so that we open the gateways of our mind to position ourselves for more and more of God's blessing and what he has in store for us. So here we are in the middle of COVID. COVID has shut down the world in many regards uh, from a physical, uh, mental, emotional place to even a financial place. Mm -hmm. It has been a devastating year. Now, you had a job that you weren't overly fond of. Right. You were grateful for it. Very. But it wasn't exactly where you wanted to spend the next five years. No. All right. No. <laughs> now, just lift this all the way up because it does better closer to your mouth. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you were praying. What happened? Tell me what happened.
1: Um. The job that I was working at, I had been working for 12 hours a day, six days a week for about the last year and a half. Okay. And I've been praying, Lord, um, I don't want to continue at this pace. I've been praying and asking God for increase. Well, the company that I was working for, another company bought the company out. Well, the administrator of the new company... um, Few months in came to me and asked me what did I think about medical records and I thought I've never done medical records but I'm like okay um, you know we'll give it a try so that was like October late November where I didn't hear anything so I said okay just be still just be still so things were getting chaotic and I was telling pastor how you know I begin to pray Lord you can bring um, you can take the chaos and make it better per se so uh, they come to me, and um, I was praying, and I was going to take another job with the company that left. So the morning that I was supposed to have an interview, a virtual interview with the other company, I had a lady the day before had pulled me to the side and said, hey, um, can I talk to you after work? And I said, sure. So after work, we go to the side, and she begins to pray with me, and she says, god wants me to tell you to be careful who you let in your ear and i thought wow okay i'll take heed to that so we pray she goes on i don't see that lady anymore she was a traveling nurse so that was the last time i saw her so then that night i was really struggling because i didn't like the position i was in i was thinking that the, uh, the opportunity that was presented to me was a good opportunity But I was kind of torn between it. So that morning, the next morning of the day of my interview, I get up and I hear the Holy Spirit say, decline. I was like, what, Lord? He said, decline, decline the interview, and I want you to stay. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, this place is chaotic. But then again, I had prayed, Lord, you can bring order to chaos. So having said all that, I decline the interview. I stay. I stay. And as of Tuesday of this week, I got trained for the medical records job, which tomorrow I start in my new position with five days a week. Um, and I also got a pay increase that God had answered well, too. So my, my thing today, Pastor, is I just want people to be encouraged that God sees us. Amen. And that he hears us. Amen. And as he said, that this is the year of God's favor. So. Amen.
0: Can, can I, am I allowed to say how much an hour extra yeah, you got? Yeah. An extra $3 an hour. That is huge. That is huge. It's very huge. Amen. Good girl. Good girl for hearing the voice of the Spirit, mm-hmm. trusting God, mm-hmm. making a decision, a difficult decision to let go of a bird in the hand, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And this other job really. They, it wasn't imminent, was it? They had talked to you about it ages ago, Mm -hmm. and nothing came to fruition, and almost pretty soon after you declined, Mm -hmm. this other one came up.
1: Can I also add, too, that one day in church, the Holy Spirit had Beth and her husband. He told me, um, I want you to go to them and have them to pray with you about the job. Well, I have to admit, Pastor, I, I got a little intimidated, and I didn't because I, I didn't know them that well, and I just felt like, oh, they're going to probably think I'm crazy. So the next Sunday, when I turned around to do it, they were gone. Right. But the next Sunday, they were here, and I went up to them, and it, it, we were, we've we been in line with the Spirit of God, this couple here yeah. who God just put in
0: my that's awesome
1: to help me along with this. So
0: Praise uh, God. I wanted to give honor to God. Amen. 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 Absolutely. Church, it's one thing to be born again. It's another thing to be walking by the Spirit of God. Amen. In Romans chapter 8, Paul makes it clear for as many as our sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. And it's meant to be that simple. Are you born again? Then you're led by the Spirit. But we make things so much more difficult up here in our head. And so many times God is talking to us when we just say, no, nah, that's just me, or no, nah, that's, you know, that's silly. But when we obey, mm-hmm. the Spirit of God will be able to birth within us and around us the blessings of God. Amen. 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 Come on, give uh, Angie you. a big hand. Thank you. God bless you. All right. Now, where is Debbie? Is Debbie here? Okay, come on down, Debbie. I want to share this testimony with you as well. I told you that um, I believe that um, we're going to enter into a phase of seeing more and more miracles. Now, for those of you who don't know Debbie, she's an extremely shy, quiet person. That tells me most of you do know Debbie. (laughs) Well, Debbie came in. She's also in year two of Bible school and uh, had gotten information. Uh, Why don't you tell us the story that you had cancer?
2: A year ago this month, I was diagnosed with cancer, stage four inoperable um, metastatic melanoma in my lungs. And I began chemotherapy treatment on December 26th. And it appeared to be working for three months. And then after three months, they, it, seemed, it appeared to stop working. And the oncologists began telling me that it did not appear to be working any longer. And it, that didn't ruffle my feathers. Uh, I didn't get upset at all. I told them that if the medicine worked, then medical
0: science science would would
2: get the credit and that God was going to get the credit. Amen. And we continued chemotherapy because they said it might begin to work again. And now, last week, they did... A really intensive battery of tests on me.
0: You would have scans every three months. Yes, I would get scans and every three months. And how often did you get treatment?
2: Every three weeks.
0: Every three weeks. And usually they coincided.
2: Yeah, usually I got the scans on the same day as treatment. And so the doctor would just be getting the scan results in time to see me, and he would quickly look at them and tell me, no change, no change, no change. So
0: now this time...
2: This time, the machinery wasn't available on the day of my chemo, so they had me go much earlier in the week, and it enabled him to do a lot of intense um, study... Review review, and investigation of the scans. He compared them to all the previous ones and everything, and it enabled him to see that... mm, the tumors weren't shrinking but they weren't growing and more importantly there was absolutely not a fraction of a change and now, now
0: let's clarify that when you have a tumor it's a living growing thing right, that's and so the shape say. of it yes, is always
2: changes
0: yes the he's shape is always changing as these cells are moving around, growing, et cetera, et cetera. Right. He said
2: something should be changing, even if it's just fractionally, there should be some change. And he overlaid the, the imaging all the slides. on top of yeah. each other. And he said that for months, there has not been even so much as a fractional change. And so...
0: Wait for it. <laughs> it he,
2: he met with other oncologists, and they all... A concurred that it leads them to believe that the tissue, the tumors, are dead.
0: <laughs> Praise God!
2: Well, Amen! Anyways, there's something more. They have no medical explanation for it. And I told them, I said, well, I have an explanation for it. I've to- been telling you all along, medicine wasn't going to get the credit." Jesus was getting the credit, and so that's my story. Now he said that it's scar tissue, and he said, I can live for another 40 years with the scar tissue. I said, I'm going to be a very old person (laughs) if that's the case, but um, I will continue chemo in order to do the entire protocol, but I'm healed.
0: Amen. Amen. Praise God. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I didn't into the nah. <laughs> Brilliant. Praise God. This is the year of God's favor. Amen. I want you to understand the heart and the, yeah, you can. I want you to understand the heart and the character of your father. Yeah, come and take it. I'm afraid this is like Mission Impossible. All of a sudden it's going to blow up in my hand. (laughs) I want you to understand the nature, the character, the heart of who God is. He's not just good. He is absolutely perfect. Nothing in him can ever reflect not even an ounce of evil. He is only good. And he wants good for his kids. And so I want you to understand the character of your God, your father, your dad. And I want you to understand what you're living under. You're living under the year of God's favor. You could look to the world and say, man, we are living in bad times. Out there, it's bad times. But I live in a kingdom behind enemy lines. The world... And the kingdom of darkness has no rule or jurisdiction over me and no jurisdiction over you. We might be in the world, but we are not of this world. Can I get agreement? Come on, church. Amen. When you and I have been taken out of the kingdom of darkness through the blood of Jesus Christ by accepting him as our Lord and Savior... The Bible says that we were taken out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his dear son. That means Jesus is the one who has jurisdiction over us, not the enemy. Can I get an agreement? Absolutely. Yeah, give the Lord a hand while I look for my notes. And so I'd like you very quickly to turn with me to John chapter 5, starting at verse 9. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Let's stop. Because to the average Gentile mind, this means absolutely nothing. So let me pause for a moment and give some context to the setting that we just read about. The Sheep Gate is one of, uh, I believe, 10 or 12 gates that allowed you to come into the larger temple area. And the Sheep Gate is very Particularly, the gate whereby all the animals of sacrifice were entered in. And so that gate was basically used only for sacrificial lambs. And from reading and studying, I I came across a sentence that said, no lamb that went in the gate ever came back out the gate. They entered through that gate to be slaughtered, As an atonement for sins. Now. During Jeremiah's time. Jeremiah had warned. The nation of Judah. That if they didn't turn from their sins. Stop worshipping other gods. That the Babylonians. Would overtake them. And in fact. That's what happened. Jeremiah prophesied. That they would be in captivity. For 70 years. Isaiah who lived some 140 years, uh, 200 years maybe, uh, before Jeremiah prophesied that there would come a time where God would raise up a man named Cyrus, that he would be the king of the Persians, and that he would order a decree and allow the Jews to return home from captivity. So 140 years before Cyrus was ever born, God is prophesying through the prophet Isaiah that he would raise up a leader, a man called Cyrus, who would head up the kingdom of Persia. At that time, Judah was doing fine. But through the prophetic eyes of the Holy Spirit and through the prophetic influence of the Holy Spirit, Isaiah not only prophesied and called a man by name, and said what nation he would be of, and that he would lead this nation, and that this nation would be a world empire, he also prophesied that Judah would have been scattered abroad, and this man would give them permission to come back to Jerusalem. All of these things came to pass. And uh, Cyrus overthrew the Babylonian kingdom, and they were the next world empire. The Medes and the Persians had dominated the Babylonian Empire. And when Cyrus saw the decree that God knew him by name. I want to tell you. I don't care what anybody has ever said. Starting with your parents. If anyone has ever intimated that you are a mistake. I want you to know that God knew you while you were still in your mother's womb. And whether they planned for you or not. God planned for you. He knows the end from the beginning. When Cyrus saw that the God of the Hebrews had called him by name, pinpointed him to an empire, and declared that this empire would override the Babylonians, he was moved in his heart, and he released them. And A contingent, a small group of Hebrews had actually returned to Jerusalem and started to rebuild the walls around the temple. And the first gate that they reestablished in Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 1, Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the other priests, and built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and hung its doors. It was the only gate that they had consecrated to the Lord because this was the gate that would allow the atonement sacrifice to come into the temple area and then be slaughtered so that there could be the remission or the forgiveness of sins. The sheep gate was the first gate to be restored and the only one, as I said, to be consecrated. It was called the Sheep Gate, as I said earlier, because this is where the sacrifices were brought. Occasionally at one point, you'll, you'll read in the Old Testament that at times they talk about the uh, upper pool. There was a pool, very, uh, very little natural running water in Israel. And so they would dig these pools at the bottom of hills to gather water. And uh, this pool became known as the Pool of Bethesda. And uh, hundreds of years after this gate was hung, the sheep gate, and this pool was right outside the gate, it was occasionally used for the washing of the sheep before they came in, the sheep gate, to be sacrificed. And then as time went on, rather than using that pool, it became a pool that people would cleanse themselves in. And there developed a scenario where a supernatural phenomenon would take place, and an angel would come down and stir the waters. And the people came to understand that when the waters were stirred, the first one in would be the one and only who would be blessed to be healed. The pool of Bethesda, Bethesda literally means the house of mercy. I find it phenomenally of great interest and intrigue that right alongside of the sheep gate, the entrance where the sheep would go to make atonement was the pool that represented the house of mercy. As we read this story, it goes on to say in verse 3, Here at this pool of house of mercy, the pool of Bethesda, a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. Verse 4. From time to time an angel of the Lord would come down and stir the waters, and the first one in the pool, after each such disturbance, would be cured of whatever disease they had. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, he learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. And he asked him, do you want to get well? Now, I want to point something else out. Whenever Jesus came to Jerusalem from Galilee, he always entered Jerusalem via the sheep gate, because he came to be the Lamb of God, who would take away the sins of the world. The only time Jesus did not enter via the sheep gate was two weeks before his crucifixion, and he had taken a, the colt of a donkey, and straddled that coat colt, and he was on top of the Mount of Olives. Jesus will come again and enter Jerusalem from the top of the Mount of Olives. But the Bible says the second time he comes, he will come on a horse. In ancient days, when a king came riding into a city on a horse, he came to conquer, he came for war. But when he came riding on a donkey, he came to bring peace. And as Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives overlooking Jerusalem, He wept and he said, if you only knew what would have brought you peace, if you had only recognized the coming of your God. The the prophet Isaiah has prophesied numerous times throughout his writings that there would be two comings of God, one to bring favor, to bring salvation, and the other to bring wrath and judgment. When Jesus rode down from the Mount of Olives That time and that time alone, he entered through the gate of triumph. But every other time that he came to Jerusalem, he came. And he would enter through the same gate that the sheep would enter. That were going to be slaughtered for the atonement or the forgiveness of sins. Here's Jesus. I want you to imagine this with me. Here's Jesus knowing his purpose. He was born to be the sacrificial lamb of God that anyone who would believe on him would be saved. The ancients of old had prophesied that through Abraham's seed the nations of the world would be blessed. Daniel saw a rock being cut out of a mountain in the heavens not by human hand. It says. And it struck the fourth empire. Which happened to be the Roman Empire. And this rock which struck the fourth empire. Became the kingdom of God. And it filled the whole earth. Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. During the Roman Empire. Here's Jesus at the house of mercy, the pool of Bethesda. Looking at this poor fellow, 38 years, crippled, and everyone would beat him to the pool. And Jesus asked him, he said, why are you still here? He says, I want to be healed, but everybody else beats me to the pool whenever the angel comes down. There was no rhyme or reason when the angel would come. It was just a sovereign thing. Whenever God had a whim, the angel would come down and stir the waters. And so people had to be poised. They had to be ready. They had to be definite. They had to be determined. But this man not having the ability of his legs would always be beat out as far as being the first in the pool. And Jesus asked him, what could seem like a really silly question, but he said, do you want to be well? Today we're going to be praying for those who need a miracle in their lives because I am convinced it's not just a momentary season to be jolly. We have every reason to be filled with the joy of the Lord because we are living under the hand of God's favor and God's blessing. Can I get an amen? Amen. This is a day for miracles. Absolutely. But I'm going to ask you a question as well. Would you rather whine about your misfortune and use your misfortune, be it circumstances or be it an illness, use it as a badge that will evoke conversation and pity, or would you rather bury the badge and walk free? Healed, delivered, your scenario changed. I can relate to this, having been born a very sickly kid and sick for a very, very long time. I was the last of three boys that my parents would have. They had three kids all up, and I was the youngest. And uh, I was the runt, so to speak. I was the little piglet that was scrawny. That probably would have been put out of its misery if it was born on a farm. And I was that, the runt of the litter, so to speak. And my oldest brother was always, whenever my parents spoke about him, he was the intelligent one. My second oldest brother was the one with, you know, long curly eyelashes and all this cute charisma. And then there was Rob who was always sick. And I learned to get attention based on my condition of being sick. And I remember very clearly God speaking to me around the age of 13, 14 years old. And he said, if you want attention, you could have it for the rest of your life. But if you want deliverance, you have to let go of the attention and you'll have deliverance for the rest of your life. Amen. Amen. Mentally and emotionally, you have to be willing to break with your Achilles heel and say, I don't want pity. I don't want self-pity, and I don't want pity from anybody else. I don't want to tell my story again so that somebody feels sorry for me. I want to tell my story so that someone can give praise to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so it's a very important question that Jesus asked. Do you want to be well? And of course the man responded with a yes. And Jesus healed him. Now I find this story of great interest. It really tickles my fancy. Because I look at the paradox and the paradox is this. Here's Jesus walking up and down the countryside of Judea healing anyone who would call out to him. And here's this man, for the three years that Jesus is ministering, he's waiting at this pool for the occasional opportunity when the hand of God would release an angel to stir the waters. So many Christians are living in the year of God's favor, and they don't understand it is the year of God's favor. I want you to know, year of favor means this is the dispensation, this is the prophesied time period where God said, heaven and earth will reach and touch each other, and my power and my glory will come down to my children. Hallelujah. This is a period to push in. This is a time not to live in misery, not to complain about how tough things are, but to stand on the promises of God. You not only have to know who you are in Christ, you have to know what time it is. It is the time for the redeemed to rejoice and to declare that they are the redeemed of the Lord and they are the blessed of the Lord. Here's this man sitting by the pool of mercy, hoping for the occasional movement of God. And so often the church of Jesus Christ lives like that, hoping that maybe, you know, sometime God might just visit and I might be the one who gets a miracle. To think like that is to undermine The totality of what Jesus Christ has come to do. God's not going to love you for a day or on a day. Men get romantic at uh, (laughs) Valentine's Day. We think of romantic things and we take our partner out and we show them attention. Or maybe on a birthday. Or on an anniversary. If someone was kind enough to remind us we had an anniversary. And Valentine's Day should be every day of the year for anybody you love. Can I get an agreement? So why would God have a Valentine's Day only once and every so often when he loves his church every day of the week? Amen. Jesus healed this fellow and instantly The power of God went through him, and Jesus said, Take up your mat and walk. I want to tell you, it doesn't matter what the world is saying. What matters is what the Word of God is saying. Whose report are you going to believe? It doesn't matter to me who becomes president. Sure, in the natural, as a man, as a person, as a human being, I have a preference. I have strong political feelings. But they are by far removed from where I stand as a born-again Christian and a son of God. Because it doesn't matter who's in the White House. There's failure in the human hand and in the human heart. The government that I rely on, It's the government of Jesus Christ. This is the government that keeps us safe and secure. The governments of the world are fickle. We vote a man in a power for four years, could vote him out four years later. At best, he gets eight years. I have the Prince of Peace who's been reigning for the last 2,000 years. Hallelujah. No one voted him in, and no one's going to vote him out. Praise God. I want to reiterate and close with what Paul said, and I read this last week. I reiterated it at the beginning of my sermon. Today, first of all, he says, this is the year of God's favor. He literally repeated what the prophet Isaiah said, And what Jesus read when he was in the synagogue. This is the year of God's favor. What time is it? What season is it? I am living in a dispensation, a time period that God has decreed that anyone who believes in him will be able to touch him and be supernaturally blessed physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, in relationships. I believe in a God who's miraculous, and a God less than a God who is miraculous is pretty ordinary. I've seen human beings do extraordinary things, but what my Father can do goes beyond extraordinary. Amen. Today, if you hear His voice, today the Spirit of God is knocking on your heart. It's not by chance or by coincidence. Whether you're watching, by live stream, or you're here. Today is the day of salvation. Don't let another week go by. Don't let another month go by. Today is the day of salvation. The crippled man I preached about last week never entered the gate beautiful. Come on in through the gate. Jesus said, I am the gate. And no one can come in unless they come in through me. Amen. Would you stand with me right now? The first healing that every one of us needs is the healing of our relationship with God. You may not have a relationship with God, You may have a knowledge of God. God has come to bridge the gap in relationship between humanity and himself. And he did that through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but through me. Friend, I want to tell you that if you've never given your life over to Jesus Christ, you haven't entered the beautiful gate yet. If you haven't asked Jesus Christ in your heart, you haven't stepped into the year of God's favor. Could you imagine his Jesus at the pool of Bethesda, right alongside the gate, where all of the sheep, the lambs, who would be sacrificed for men's flaws, would enter by. And as he's talking to this man, in his heart he's thinking, sir, if you only understood that when you come to God, every day is the day of salvation. Every day becomes the day of healing and deliverance. And as Jesus stood by that pool, Looking at this man and seeing a mirror of myriads of humans. Knowing he would one day be the lamb that went through that gate. There's only one thing that God requires of us. Is that we say yes. That's it. The devil will tell you all the reasons why God would never accept you. God says, that's a lie. But I've done this. I've done that. I've been guilty of this. And God says, doesn't matter. I've taken your sin and I've charged it to my son's account so that you could walk free. Hence the definition of a scapegoat. Jesus became the scapegoat. So that if we would believe on him, he pays our price and we take on his life. Amen. If you have never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, if you've done that and maybe you've walked away and you realize today you need to come back and make things right, I'm talking to you. In fact, the Spirit of God is talking to you. There's a reason why you're here. There's a reason why there's a stirring going on deep inside your heart. I want every eye to close right now. And I want you to recognize what season it is. Today is the day of salvation. And the day of salvation takes you into the year of God's favor. And all you have to do Is mean it in your heart and say, yes, Jesus, come into my heart. While every eye is closed, if the Spirit of God is talking to you and you want to accept Christ into your heart, that is the beginning of the year of God's favor. Put your hand up right now. Say, yes, Pastor, I want to do that. I want to ask Jesus into my heart. That's right. Don't be afraid. Eyes closed right across this auditorium. Thank you. And put your hand down. Who else? I see that hand. Thank you so much. Who else would like to accept Christ? Say yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus. On the live stream, on YouTube, on Roku. If you're watching right now, let me tell you that this season that the world has commercialized, God immortalized in his heart as he looked over humanity and saw the mess And the garbage that we would get ourselves into, God deemed that he would allow his son to pay the price. So if we believe in him, we'll be set free. As you're watching right now, if you're saying yes, I want you to get ready to pray this prayer with me. And those of you in this room that have raised your hand. Repeat this prayer after me. Everyone, I I want everyone to repeat it, but especially those people that have raised their hand. And it's going to be a simple acknowledgement that we have made mistakes, that Jesus Christ is God come in the flesh, and that he died on the cross for us, and an acknowledgement that we want him to come into our hearts. Every eye closed. Repeat after me, dear Jesus, I'm asking you right now, you died for me, come and live inside me. I've made so many mistakes. I'm sorry. Only you can help me because I can't help me. Jesus Christ, Set me free today. Come into my heart. Break the chains. Break the madness. And set me free. I accept what you have done on the cross for me. And I receive you today as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my heart and saving me today. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. In just a moment, I'm going to open the altar for a time of prayer. I'm going to ask my pastors to start coming down the front of all of them. Anyone who's in the house, just come on down the front. And we're going to be available for prayer. I want you to know that God is on your side. He loves you. He cares about you. This is the year God's favor. It's not a day, a week, or a month. It's a lifetime. I didn't get it by earning it. I'm not going to keep it by earning it. It's all part of God's favor and God's grace. Can I get an agreement? Yeah, go on. Give the Lord a praise offering. Amen. Those of you who want prayer, need a miracle, why not believe that you could be the next testimony? Absolutely. If you want the miracle, God's got the miracle in Jesus' name. Pastor Elizabeth, would you join us too for prayer? Come on down the front and join us. If you're one of those who raised your hand to ask Jesus in your heart, while others are coming down, why don't you come down as well? I'd love to pray with you personally and talk to you for a couple of moments. Uh, Praise God. Those of you who want prayer, come on down right now. Come on, step out of the aisle. And Father, as these folk come, I pray over those who are going to be heading home I pray that they will have a wonderful time of celebration around Christmas. I thank you, Father, I speak protection and safety around their lives in Jesus' name, amen. Let them be blessed and let your blessings be on them. And Father, I thank you that it's not a day once a year, it's a day every day. Where we could come into your presence with confidence that you will receive us and you will bless us in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Those of you who would like to stay and worship, come closer. We're going to keep the worship music going. Those of you who need to go, God bless you. Have an awesome season. I'll see you next Sunday. And we're going to come together and worship the King of Kings. Amen. God bless. Amen.